0: This time on SEGA Talk, we look at the extreme SEGA Genesis add-on, the 32X. Why did this thing exist? Who is responsible? And what games are even worth playing on this thing? Find out this and more on this episode of SEGA Talk.
1: Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things Sega. with your hosts George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not
0: talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what? No. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk, episode one seventeen. I'm your host, George, and like always with me is the X to my 32, Barry.
1: I'm the 32 X-Man.
0: I noticed that. Very da, 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 extreme. Da, 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 Barry. Yeah. And, uh, well, this show is only possible with viewers like you. That's my PBS plug right there. But Pat- nice. uh Barry, do you want to plug our Patreon? Yeah, absolutely. So, if
1: you check us out at patreon.com slash segabits you can essentially uh, pick pick what we talk about on the show um, you can have your memories read at the top of the show if it is your pick and then have your memories read at the end if you are a Patreon supporter at any level and we, we give you guys the heads up like a week or two weeks in advance before that episode drops and you get to say whatever you want and for better or worse uh, we will read Everything you write, though sometimes if you write too much, I'll start talking real fast because it's uh, <laughs> ooh, some of the memories right. people have. But hey, uh, George, this episode was actually picked by uh, Nicholas Schaefer, who's been what? a longtime supporter of us. Um, hmm. so as as is the uh, custom, I'm going to read Nicholas's thoughts about the 32x. So. Nicholas says, the 32X is something that has always fascinated me. In a lot of ways, it was ahead of its time and what made Sega so great. On the other hand, it probably was the first step in the downfall of Sega, and for me, it represents the biggest what if in Sega history. What if Sega went all in on the 32X and uh, wrote it out to the Dreamcast, like the PS4 Pro? How many of the Saturn games would have worked on the 32X? How many of them would have pushed? to the Dreamcast, could we see a model of the Genesis with the 32X included? What if Sega never released the 32X and Sega of America focused all their efforts on the Sega Saturn not divided, would Sega be able to make uh, be able to release the Saturn with more robust launch lineup? Would that be enough to make the Saturn more successful? Obviously it would never overtake the PlayStation, but maybe be on par with the N64 in market share. And the reality is that Sega divided itself, left a bad taste in some customers and game developers mouths, and this took Sega from being the fastest growing in the market share to the uphill battle in Distance 3rd for the Dreamcast that did so much right but couldn't make it over that hill. Today my concern is for game preservation. So much unique Sega history is on console so few people um, even less have the ability to play CDX games. I eagerly look forward to your discussion.
0: Right. And he's right, you know like there's some good stuff about the 32X especially when you I started looking at the history. I know last time mm-hmm. we the last episode I was kind of coming off as a hater. I'm actually not a hater. I I hate that what it was. Like I feel like there was more potential and it was I think ahead of its time and I guess I'll talk about my opinions a little bit later, but the 30 the Sega 32X was a video game add-on for the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive console. Released in 1994, it was designed as an enhance to enhance the console's processing power, adding 32-bit graphics and improved sound ca- capabilities. Uh, the 32X was developed by Sega of America in partnership with several other companies. Barry, what is your history with the Sega 32X?
1: Well, let me tell you. Um you know, the, the 32X, it was one of, just like the Sega CD, it, it existed at around a time when I was being heavily marketed to by um, Sega through largely the Sonic the Hedgehog, Archie Comics. And so I was aware that games were coming out for it. There was a big push, and I, I didn't grab it to show it, but I, I'm pretty sure if we did the episode for Knuckles Chaotix, I'd be holding it up right now. Um but they did a comic book tie-in and they would explain, you know, in there like what exactly the game was, what it was for, Mm. and so they didn't, I mean, they didn't aggressively push the 32X and the Sega CD when it came to the video game adaptations, but they definitely were like you know, check out the game uh, and, you know, see the rest of the story or or something like that. So I was aware there was a Knuckles game. I knew it was an add-on, but it kind of just Came and went so quickly that I never really had the chance to even consider um,
0: buying, like it, buying right?
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think a lot of people now think that these things were like deeply clearanced and we were all aware of them and like we were running to stores and just like buying used 32X or, you know, like new 32Xs for like 20 bucks. It wasn't really the case. Like, this stuff would just kind of. Come and go under the radar a lot of times, and you'd be lucky if you if you had the foresight to go out and pick it up. Because there's a reason why this stuff is like sitting on a shelf for twenty bucks, you know, and no one's buying it. If right. if it was moving off the shelves, and you know, little berries and Georges at the time were like, "Well, oh, I remember buying my 32X as soon as I learned that it was uh, on the chopping block and that Sega was moving on." Like in our minds, that tells us that's a red flag. We don't want to buy that. You know yep. that's that's right. shit. And um, plus, and I guess a comparison would be like the Connect. Like if you weren't all in it with the Connect at the at the get go, you're not going to run out to the store and buy one for half off when mm. it's being deeply discounted. You're going to move on from it. And you know maybe unlike the 32x, the original Connect hasn't shot up in price. Um, but yeah, so fast forward to about 2009. And I actually did buy a 32x. I don't recall how much I spent on it, but it it was it was probably thirty or forty dollars for a 32x and all the cables. Um, I used a website called Collectors Cards and Games, and they sold me a lot of 32x games. They and it was. It was a very, even at the time in 2009, it was like a very low tech website. You basically read a list of games that he had, oh. and then you'd email him, and he would tell you if it was still available. It's um, still
0: low, low, low. I'm looking yeah, at the right now.
1: It's still around, but what's there is probably not what he's selling anymore. Right. Um, but I got Chaotix in box for 20 bucks. I have it here. Um, I got uh, Tempo in box for, with the manual for eight bucks. Um, I got Calibri new, I think for like next to nothing. So like, it just tells you, um, just how easy it was to get the stuff decades later. So if anything, I don't really feel like I missed out on the, um, the clearing out, uh, post failure, because even in 2009, you could get a, uh, 32 X for next to nothing. And I actually, let me see, do I have it? No, I can't find my original order, but yeah, it was just like thirty bucks. It was nothing.
0: So, yeah, that's me. I, this is like the equivalent to a boomer like showing all their houses. Like I bought this one for ten thousand dollars when my McDonald's that that's the Sega right. collectors equivalent when you get those cheap prices back then. Right. Um, <laughs> me, um, my history was kind of strange because uh, when I was a kid, I really liked the idea of like buying these obscure consoles that no one knew about. Um, right. And I remember seeing the activator and this basically, like, I don't know how much it was back in the day, but my parents wouldn't buy it for me because they knew there was a reason it was in clearance. So they're like, no. And then, like, a few years later, one of my cousins got it in the swap meet. And Mm -hmm. I remember the frustration because we were like, oh, we need another power adapter. We only had one. So now I had to go look for a separate (laughs) one. Right, And then it was like, it was just like so many, uh, and then there's like a different cable that you connect, right, to the the actual uh, uh, Genesis, no? Or is it just the power? There's like another cable, right?
1: It all depends if you're on the Model 1 or Model 2. Mm. Uh, If you go to the website GameTrog, they actually have a very helpful way of doing all the proper connections, but it's a headache. And I just looked it up. I got it actually, I ended up buying it off eBay for 30 bucks.
0: That's, I mean, it just went up in value, so it's a good price. Um, yeah. So that was my experience with the 32X. He only had like a wrestling game, which uh, mm. is very disappointing because uh, oh, yeah. it isn't one of the best games on the console. But most of my playing on the 32X has been emulators. Um, yeah. So l- let's go with that. Um, I still don't even own a 32X, even though as a fan, isn't that crazy? Maybe I should that buy That is one.
1: wild. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I was thinking about buying the EverDrive, the the Pro model that has it built in. Now mm. we don't have to – I don't know if it, it has that one built in or it's a CD. I'm not sure. It's one of those. It yeah, has, like, yeah. the function built into it. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Outside of that, I think it sucks that it was so hard to connect. I feel like if they figured out something easier. And they had other plans for it. Um. We'll talk about it in the development, which we'll get into now. So mm-hmm. – Sega's development of the the, 30, uh, the 32x. Turdy,
1: you, you Freudian th- slip there, the 32x.
0: Yes, yes. You're like uh, the
1: AVGN. What the fuck is this? The 32x.
0: Right. Sorry. Shit. That I had. I had to research it. I was watching that episode last night. So, um, <laughs> um, it's not just because of Nintendo. A lot of people. Uh, Nintendo was working on something, and it did spark. Uh, sega wanting to make a new 32 uh console or big console Mm -hmm. or add-on but actually what according to a lot of people it's because the emergence of video game consoles during 1993 and well during the early 90s i don't think people know that video game consoles were kind of like the wild west sega kind of broke people were afraid of nintendo back in the day because they had like 90 percent of the market share when sega took half it kind of yeah. made other companies go, why can't we do the same thing? Sega went from zero to, I mean, a few percentages to having almost 50%. And this, this wow. meant that we had other consoles like the Neo Geo, the Atari Jaguar, and the 3DO. Um, uh, do you remember this time period when all these weird consoles were coming out and it felt like almost anything could happen? I mean, that's how I felt as a kid. It's like... What is a Neo Geo? S and K? Don't they make arcades? Uh, right. So, what is your what's your opinion of these minor consoles growing up?
1: Yeah, I remember all of these. I just, I really remember the um, 3DO and the Philips CDI. Um, I've talked in the past uh, how my dad got a Philips CDI because it honestly it's not because it was a game console. It was because it was like kind of an all in one entertainment system machine. Like nowadays, I guess you would. I don't know what you'd compare it to. Maybe, you know what, you'd probably compare it to like buying a HomePod or a um, like a nice, one of those nice built-in speakers with like Alexa in it. Mm. Um, because what it could do is it would play uh, CDs, so music CDs very well, photo CDs, which are um, when you have photos processed, it gives you a disc. It would give you, um, it played VCDs, video CDs, so like pre-DVD stuff. It played uh, educational software, music software, game software, so it was really an all-in-one device, and it was kind of at the advent, too, of CD-ROM technology. So it was like, it was actually really neat to see things like the 3DO and the CDI come out because it was um, really trying to tap into everything that the CD itself could do. Um, the Jaguar, though, and the Neo Geo, like, I was aware of them, but I never really understood them because... Honestly, I didn't know Atari made the Jaguar, which sounds kind of weird, but (laughs) it seemed so disconnected from the 2600. It didn't seem it was like the same company. And then I'd see the little Atari logo there on the ads, and I'm like, the hell are they still making stuff? Um, Neo Neo Geo, I mean, that's one that I wish at the time I knew more about because I'm actually a really big SNK fan now, and I've talked before on the show how... I just, uh, a month ago, I picked up my, um, you know, you, Pocket oh. Color, and I absolutely love it. It's, 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 it's just a great, such a...
0: Great, great yeah, it's, handheld. Yeah, it's just,
1: it's such an amazing little handheld. It's like, you know, people go on and on mm-hmm. right now about the Playdate. But honestly, this to me is like the best of everything portable without so many downgrades. I, I think the playdate just is too downgraded to the point where it's like, oh, stick and ball, you know, like, hey, gamers. It just, I don't know. I don't know. But regardless, uh, those minor consoles, yeah, there there was always something unique about each one, but none of them really had everything going for it. And that's why they all failed. And it's yeah. kind of unfortunate that the 32X really does feel more like those. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to explain. Like, you know, like when you think of certain consoles, do you feel something, George, like an emotion inside your, your belly or yeah, in your heart?
0: Yeah, I actually... Yeah, There's something, um, something, I don't know. Like, uh, the Neo Geo is one of those, like, I guess, hardcore gamer consoles. Like, because they were, like, every game was, like, very expensive. It was literally, you owned an arcade. That was what you we were buying. You. Uh, it was really niche. Um, I think... I don't know if I would consider it a a failure because I think they supported it all the way to like 2002, which I would say Mm -hmm. is kind of ridiculous, but all they did was release their arcade games (laughs) for home. That was literally what they were doing very expensively. Um, Atari Jaguar was a big pop. Like, I think it was a big failure because I've never played it. Like, I've never met someone that had it growing up. I met one person that had a 3DO and I... Some of the SNK games actually impressed me on it because they had the zoom, the arcade zoom mm-hmm. in. Um, and now my camera went away. I don't know why. Uh, but uh, yeah, besides that, um, I enjoyed uh, I enjoy SNK games, and I agree with you. The handheld is actually uh, really good. Uh, Neo mm-hmm. Geo Pocket, I think a lot of... I used to own it. I actually traded my uh, Game Boy Color... Four in Neo Geo Pocket and never regretted it because I feel like the games are so unique and I did, I do like the Game Boy Color but a lot of the games were just Game Boy games really. <laughs> I mean, it, that's what it was with a couple colors in it. So, yeah. yeah. Do I, uh, as for the Neo Geo, I, if you could afford it with the prices they are online, uh, I would say buy it. I really love the aesthetics of the Neo Geo but it's uh, super expensive. <laughs> like, it's like, Right. I think the most expensive console right now even Sega Saturn is a little uh behind on price. I mean, you could buy some Sega Saturn games cheap. That's all. All every single right. game on the Neo Geo is expensive.
1: And I guess I guess I kind of brought up that feeling you get about consoles because it seems like every Sega console I have some sort of like happy, nostalgic, excited feeling when I think about like playing the console, but the 32X just kind of makes me feel a little icky inside. I don't know, like it makes me feel like it just reminds me of how hard it is to hook up, how hit or miss the library is, how ugly it makes the Genesis look. Um I mean I have one here. Uh like the the, the little tiny one that goes with the oh, mini. That's and yeah. it looks it looks okay on top of the model too, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't look great. It just kind of I, I don't know. It almost it's like a meme. You know what I mean like and by that I mean when you look at it it's not it's like a joke you look at it and you just you see it on like the little mini model of it and the joke is that it looks stupid Right whereas the CD attachment you're like god that looks so fucking cool but then the 32x on top you're like that's funny And I think the Tower of Power kind of became a joke where people would plug in as much shit they could. And there's those videos, those photos of like 30,
0: 30, 32, 32 X's. Right. I think we need to like do a Sega Bits like certified version of it where we make it like super tall where we do a rule record with our name on it. Yeah. I think that would be possible. Um, We We were going to have to get a lot of Game Genies and uh, uh, Sonic and Knuckles uh, copies. We do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. well, Se- Sega did make the Sega CD. Uh, the device didn't perform as well as Sega's intended, but they still needed new technology to catch up to rivals, or at least that's what Sega thought. I, personally, I think the Sega Genesis would probably would have lasted another, like, four years if they actually released games for it, like just continue releasing good games. Um, they already had kind of like a plethora of IPs on it, but, I mean, Sega didn't agree with me there. Uh, one of the big things that screwed over Sega, though, during the time was how much money they were using for R&D for new technology. While on paper, it's good to have fresh ideas, the company sort of went overboard. During the 90s, not only did we have the Sega CD, they also tried to develop technology for the Sega, Sega Genesis add-on, the Aviator. And then mm. they, devel- they, had a, they were also develop- developing Sega VR, which uh, never came out. And, and they were working on four 32 bit consoles, uh, or at least console ideas. Each one was named after a planet during 1994, or 1993, really. Uh, we had Planet uh, Project Mars, which became the 32X. We had the Sega Saturn, which uh, we already know what that became, obviously. And the two other <laughs> consoles that never made it included the Sega Jupiter, which would have been a cartridge based. based 32-bit console with similar specs to the sega saturn this project uh project lee uh, uh basically the idea would be that like you would buy a cheaper sega jupiter that was just cartridge based mm-hmm. and then you could make a cd add-on later um and hmm. i guess because cd technology was so expensive at the time uh, so the idea would be that this that's why people say that the Sega Saturn has that slot in the top that just became a memory or RAM backup. It was supposed to be that it was supposed to play com- cartridges for for a while. Um mm-hmm. so the idea would be according to the edge rumor was that it was going to that the Sega uh, Jupiter would cost 30,000 uh, Japanese yen compared to the 50,000 Japanese yen that the Sega Saturn ended up costing. Mm-hmm. And of course the the CD would be optional if you wanted to. Um, Sadly, uh, no prototypes of the Sega Jupiter were ever produced. Uh, And the idea was dead by mid-1994 because the CD format was cheaper to produce than cartridges. So what do you think about the Sega Jupiter concept? We know Nintendo still moved on with cartridges. Do you think Sega was on the right right track to give this a try?
1: I think the issue was at the time that, I mean, just as the market itself was putting too many new pieces of hardware, like the Neo Geo CDO, or 3DO, CDI, Sega themselves were putting out a lot, a lot of stuff between 93 and 95. Um, I mean, you just think about it. You have not just the Genesis, but multiple hardware revisions. You have Mm -hmm. the uh, Sega CD Model 1s and 2s, the Game Gear, the um, Power Base Converter, Um, Sega Pico, Sega Pods, Sega um, Arcade Handhelds with Tiger. I mean, a lot of these things were deals with other companies. But end of the day, it's more Sega product on the shelves. There was a time, and I don't remember this uh, personally, but there was a time when you could go to like Toys R Us or a, a video game store and you would see at least three or four Sega consoles being supported Either handheld or, or home or educational, and on top of that, you could buy Tiger. You could buy, um, like I mentioned, the Sega Pods. You could buy a little um, IR Seven Thousand Communicator, which was a like, you know, little pocket calculator and, and uh, address book. So they were just pumping so much shit out, and then they're like, "Oh, let's make the Nomad. Let's make the CDX," um, which was basically just the Sega CD and a Genesis. Combined, and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, it's like what they really should have done is trimmed almost all that fat outside of the Game Gear and the Pico, which I think and the CDI or the Sega CD, and then release no model three, maybe even no model two. What you do is you make a, a new console that can take a new kind of cartridge as well as the old cartridges and can play CD games so that way that's people's upgrade. You know, that's it. They're not buying a Model 2. They're not buying a Model uh, CDX. They're not buying a 32X. And sure, you're screwing over the people who bought the original Sega Genesis, but that was 1989, and now it's (laughs) 1994. Like, that's a decent enough jump that leaving some people in the dust is not really hurting your market. I I don't think really hurting people. I mean, we see that right now with... um, People who own uh, Xbox Series S and there are games they're not able to play on the Series S because they're Series X games, but they don't feel left in the dust. They're just kind of like, "Well, it was my decision, whatever." Right. But,
0: I, would I, say, I, think, I would say I would think that the Jupiter could have worked if if, but yeah. You know. I was to say that the Jupiter would have been kind of like what the what is it the Series S. Right? Or is it series Mm -hmm. now? Yeah, right. So it's like underpowered, but this one is not underpowered, but it's on cartridge. I think it would have made it kind of confusing telling the parent that like, oh, there's a CD version and then there's a cartridge version, and that one has worse audio. And then now you have to tell developers to develop two and ship two games, plus the 32X, plus the Sega CD if you supported it. It's so... I think you have to slim down and I think there was an issue with the Sega Saturn early on where they knew it was going to cost a lot of money and mm-hmm. they were going to lose market share and they were afraid and I'm like uh, then you should have thought you should have literally cancelled the Sega Saturn if you didn't think you were going to be able to make it with it right That's the, that was really what made all these projects happen because they wanted to they wanted to have all the people that only bought $200 consoles and not $400 consoles and that's Not how it works, sadly. But I love the Sega Saturn, but imagine telling your parents to pay double the price of a a Sega Genesis for a console.
1: (laughs) Right, and I mean, imagine, too, um, a scenario where, okay, the Genesis is out, it's 94, it's starting to feel a little old, and then they drop this new console on you that can play a new type of cartridge, as well as your pre-existing Sega CD games and your pre-existing Genesis games. So if you want to play these new... And you don't even need to call them 32X games. You could call them, like, uh, Genesis Genesis 2X. Like, just, you know, I don't know. Um, and, And that keeps people happy until 1998. And then you do a global release of the Sega Dreamcast. Imagine that going from um you know going from uh 32x graphics with like Metalhead to the Dreamcast and sure I, you know the, the Saturn doesn't exist in this timeline but a lot of those Saturn games and ideas get moved to the Dreamcast to have a stronger launch Nights into Dreams could be a Dreamcast launch title um alongside Burning Rangers and um Shenmue you know like yeah. imagine that
0: but I'd be all in just, for
1: that and I was a Sega Super fan at the time, and I couldn't afford all the shit they were putting out. Like I, I, I had a Nomad and a Dream and a Genesis, and that was it. And the first Sega console I bought since then was a Dreamcast. So, and I agree a hundred percent with Tom Kolinsky in his belief that the Genesis had a lot more life to it. I agree. I, I really think so.
0: Um, I think. Well, I agree with you on the uh, making a stopgap console that was just like. I don't know more colors. I I think the say uh, the Nintendo did it right with the Game Boy Color. It literally is a Game Boy. It just literally right. adds these dumb colors that are not re- like four colors. I think it just doubled the colors or it's right. eight maybe. Um, and but it plays all the old games. So it sold like hotcakes and kind of uh, gave a new life. And I think that's what maybe the the Genesis could have used. And that's a question I have later, but. The fourth Mm. project uh, was the Sega Neptune, and I think this was more Mm -hmm. popular because people actually found prototypes of it in the wild. Um, The idea was to integrate the Sega Genesis and the 32X into one console. That doesn't need a manual to learn how to connect together. The the intent name for the console in North America would have been the Sega Genesis 32X system, which makes sense. Uh, Sega er, early on was truthful... That the Sega uh, 32X add-on was problematic and expensive, so the idea of combining it seemed logical at the time. The issue? The Sega Saturn was about to release. Since 32X was a stopgap add-on, the Sega Neptune got the axe. Early ideas also included, oh yeah, they wanted to have the Sega CD built in too, so it could be an all-in-one console, but Mm -hmm. it didn't happen uh sega did re- uh, if sega did release it it would have come out in late 1995 people said that it was going to be pushed into winter 96 which would have basically made it compete with the saturn and it was supposed to retail only for 150 hmm. or t- 220 with a video game add-on uh and the, and the idea was to pack it with uh, virtual Fighter, which is pretty smart um yeah so, 150 I think the Sega Genesis launched for 200 and it kept that price for a while. And I think it went down to, like, what? 120 with, like, a bundle with Sonic. So, this would have been just $30 more. That's not right. that bad. I think right. it's actually a pretty good price. Um, what, do you, uh, what do you think of the Sega Neptune co- concept? Uh, I, would, I like uh, it. And uh, would you be, have been interested in the Genesis 32X system? Did it really need a Sega CD? And what about the pricing?
1: Um, I, I like the idea of the system, though I do think a CD uh, component should have been included because I feel like it was so odd that Sega made the um, Sega CDX system in such a limited supply. Like it's such an amazing little console, but hardly anyone knows about it or owns it. Like, and when people see that, they're like, "Wait, is that a that's a Sega CD in a Genesis?" Does it play 32X games? No. So it's like again, yeah. Sega's putting out way too many variants of their hardware, and not everything plays everything. So this is so close to being that 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 system I was talking about. Like you right. look at the the Saturn, and for years, um, when I was a kid, I thought the Saturn played Genesis and 32X games. of oh, the yeah. cartridge shot, slot. Me too. And the fact that it doesn't is so fucking dumb. <laughs> like <laughs> I get, I get. When, when older nerds tell me, well, actually, that's the um, expansion slot. And I'm like, yeah, but it looks like a cartridge slot, and this is the console that came right after the Genesis. It should have played Genesis games. I don't care if you think it's impossible. Um, now, as far as that pricing, I think that's a great price. And I, I don't know if we're going to touch on it, but to me, what they really messed up with, the 32X, is that, it, and they did do this in the final marketing but what they really should have pushed is that it's an arcade enhancement for your Genesis. Say again and again, you know, um, you know the arcade experiences that you get. Well, you can bring that home with the 32X and and pump out more games. Like you know, we have Afterburner and Space Harrier. But they really should have put. Um, any and every game that were big in the 80s on it, like uh, before we recorded, you mentioned Outrun, they should mm-hmm. have done um, G-Lock, they should have done, uh, oh, what's that other one that we, we uh, just did, uh, Thunderblade, mm-hmm. you know, like any super game, I mean, Virtua Racing we talked about, that's on there, um, Virtua Fighter, it's just, when you look at that library of games, it It starts to kind of define the 32X in a really exciting way that I think is far enough removed from their original release that it wouldn't eat into arcade profits. Like These are games coming out 10 years later to home console in almost near arcade perfect ports. I don't think the arcade division is going to be crying that afterburner, and they weren't because they were releasing it. But instead they muddied it up with like stupid shit that like no one cares about. Or like, I, you know, I love Mortal Kombat 2, but did it need another release but on the 32X? It's just, I, I, I think a 32X system with or without a CD and really push that it's an arcade powerhouse, that would have really gone over well, in my opinion.
0: And uh, the advertisement didn't even do that. Like, they should have shown, like, this is the arcade game. This is the 32X. For this much money, Mm -hmm. you get this at home. And it would have really kind of undermined the idea of the Neo Geo because uh, that's literally what it was. Um,
1: Right. You could even just call it, I mean, title it for idiots, call it the Sega, Sega Genesis Home Arcade.
0: Add-on. That's it. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, no, not even an add-on. Just call it the Sega Genesis Home Arcade. Plays all the Genesis classics and a whole library of Sega arcade originals, you know. I don't know. Like, just that sounds exciting to me. I'd be like, oh, cool, that's exactly what I want. Instead of being like, what's 32X? Oh, it's got a game about a hummingbird you know like right
0: <laughs> i i like it's that got game
1: half of the library are genesis games but
0: they look a little better like I right don't care i agree with that yeah. uh, i think the marketing on the sega genesis was obviously way better they actually pushed arcade right. games <laughs> early on mm-hmm. so this didn't so yeah i have to agree with you on there um so let's talk about the creation i guess of the system mm. here Um, How did the idea of the 32X happen? It all started when Sega console legend Hideki Sato, who made every single Sega hardware, so thank him, he's Mm -hmm. a legend, um, and other Sega Japan engineers traveled to North America to collaborate with Sega softs Joe Miller. Uh, The first plans included the idea of producing a brand new Sega Mega Drive console with double the colors and lower cost. Uh, This is probably Hideki Sato's idea. Um, Joe Miller Mm -hmm. said it was a terrible idea and suggested instead to do an add-on for the Mega Drive. And so he became the father of the Sega 32X. Is this good or or bad? I don't know. You decide. Um, while (laughs) while, While it's normal today to release upgraded versions of consoles with the PlayStation 4 Pro, the Xbox One X, and other consoles, do you think Sega should have tried doing this route in the first place? And has any other console done this previously? Like released a the same console where you're like, oh, this is just this is just a Super Nintendo Pro. This is the all new Super right. Nintendo. I don't think they've ever tried it, so this would have made them pioneers in the idea that mid generation or I guess late generation at this point, right? Ninety four was already kind of late generation for the Sega Genesis. So with right. that have made people mad? The idea that you could buy a game, like, I don't know, you could run Sonic 2 faster, maybe, or the idea that may, new games could maybe play on the Genesis, or maybe there would be special games for the, I don't know, Sega Genesis Pro, whatever you want to call it.
1: Right. Um. Well, here, can, can the... Well, yeah, for example, the Atari 7800... Played twenty six hundred games, right? Right, I think and so. And so there was that backwards compatibility there. And I feel like with the Genesis, they had a bridge with the Meg- with the uh, Master System because the Mega Drive Genesis could play Master System games, and it could, I believe, up to Model Two. Maybe Model Two couldn't play. I don't think Model Two could. Maybe it could, um, but. That's why I feel like a Sega 32X system wouldn't really be a bad idea. I just think the problem is is when you make it just a add-on, you are asking a lot of people because you're saying, spend the amount of a new console, but you right. if you don't own a Genesis, you're going to have to find one used or buy one. And I just think it was asking too much. And then the connectivity was really hard to understand. It, it's, it is very difficult. This is not plug-and-play. Now, I, I brought up the connect earlier. Um, the connect with the original Xbox 360 was also a headache to plug in. You would connect it. You would put an extension cable on it. You would run that to the back. If you had the Wi-Fi adapter, you had to get an extender for that and have it only connected to the front. The Wi-Fi adapter could not connect to the back and the connect could not connect to the front. That sounds like a headache. But right. then you get the um, Xbox 360 upgraded version, which I ended up buying later. You plug the connect into it, and it works. There's no power source. There's no extra cables. It's just plug and play. And if this was plug and play, and it was priced under a hundred dollars, I think it might have some legs. The alternative is to have it and be an all-in-one bridge system and they did neither one they basically asked people to drop the drop the amount of money that you would for a new console and that was idiotic it was really stupid
0: i think this would have worked perfectly if uh they made whatever new games right let's say they made a sonic 4 uh and and then when you played it on your sega genesis pro whatever you want to call it it looked better, it ran better, and then you could also play it in the old uh, on the Sega regular Genesis that way they wouldn't right. lose market share at all. That would have been the perfect. Uh, but you could also tell that Sato here was thinking about 2D and enhancing 2D and that's why the, and that was a mistake for the Sega Saturn because everyone wanted to go 3D. But you could tell here that he he he, say, he himself wanted to stay in 2D and make better 2D games.
1: Right, but you make a great point there. Like, Sega has very stupidly never used numbered Sonic games to sell new hardware, and they really should have. Sonic CD should have been Sonic 2. Knuckles Chaotix should have never existed, and instead you could have called it Sonic and Knuckles 2. Or you could have called it Sonic 4 starring Sonic and Knuckles. You know, like, something stupid. But, like... That would have sold copies. Those games sold insanely well. And instead they were like, oh, Yuji Naka, you're such a good man. You know what? We're going to let you make whatever the hell you want for the Saturn. You don't make Sonic 4. Just yeah. make knights. Make a, a a game about a jester. And then, oh, for the, the GameCube, yeah, make a game about a, a chicken boy. Like, it just seems like they were so lenient with these creators. And I, I honestly wish they were a little more... Strict with some of them, and they said, "Look, you made a hit game. You're going to have to pump them out for the next ten years." Sorry, well, I mean,
0: yeah. And as, a, <laughs> we're as not a an kid, art house, right? As a kid, it was kind of frustrating because you. Let's be honest, me and you, we wanted a Sega Saturn Sony game, like right. Be it two D, be it three D, we just wanted one, and it didn't really right. have anything. It had like other companies doing it, which wasn't the same. So no, l- let's talk about the. I guess Showcase Of So Sega Sega Japan Deflated the hype Of the Sega 32X By officially announcing The Sega Saturn During winter CES 1993 Mm. Even though They didn't have Any titles to show They still decided That they were Going to show it off Um, The idea was that By 1994 The Sega Saturn Would replace The Mega Drive With an unseen With the unseen Sega Jupiter we talked about earlier, being a cheaper mm-hmm. alternative. So the idea was uh, by 94, the Sega Saturn would be out, which kind of did happen, actually. The Sega Saturn came out in Japan um, in uh, November, 20, uh, ni- November 22nd, 1994. Uh, the 32X came out in uh, North America on November 21st. So mm. yeah, literally the day after they released it in Japan. Isn't that crazy?
1: That is wild. They
0: didn't even let it breathe or anything. They're just like, oh, "We're going to release it anyway." What do you think <laughs> of Sega Japan undermining the idea of the 32X by announcing the true successor to the Sega Genesis, even though they hadn't even had games produced for it?
1: I mean, Sega were their own worst enemy at this time. There's just so much stupid infighting, um, you know. And if if you're watching uh, the Mandalorian right now, the big arc are all of these warring factions of the Mandalorians. And really, the true enemy is the Empire, but the Empire has basically caused the factions. And so it's like, with Sega, the true enemy is Nintendo. But instead, you have Sega Japan, Sega of America, butting heads, infighting, and creating... Basically, uh, you know, the seeds of downfall for the company, you know, this stuff's going to fester for years and really hurt them even along, you know, when the Dreamcast comes around. And it was just idiotic, you know, someone needed to tell them to cut this out and they just, I don't know. Yeah, Ooh, like there should have been some like a dad, a dad figure come in and say, "You know what? 32X, we're not making it. We're all in on the Saturn." Or say, "You know what? We're not making a Saturn. All in on the 32X bridge system with the Mega Drive and focus on the Dreamcast. You know, focus on a 1998 worldwide launch for a console." Done. Yeah, it's insane.
0: You know? It's insane how much they supported like the Game Gear like you said. They had the Nomad. They had that somebody had to R&D that and created Uh, Sega CD, you know, you just go on and on all these things and you're like, how do you, no wonder you were broke.
1: (laughs) But the thing is, is they're brilliant pieces of hardware, but they were like not mass produced. Like there aren't hundreds of thousands of nomads out there. There aren't hundreds of thousands of Sega CDXs. And that's just kind of what boggles my mind is that Sega made such excellent, well-built hardware. And yet there was a period of time where they were making like boutique you know, it was like limited run.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> like limited right.
1: run Sega game consoles. It's just so weird. Like, what is going on? And yet they mass produce the 32X. There's more of these available than there are CDXs or um, or or Sega Nomads. And Sega Nomad is an amazing piece of hardware. It's, oh, yeah. it's absolutely amazing that that came out around the time when Nintendo was making these little blippy bloopy pieces of crap and like Neo Geo was you know just a few years away from releasing the pocket color which is amazing but you compare it to the Genesis Nomad it's insane but
0: the only thing that I I think the screen I I love that you know the the bright screen but it does suck that they never figured out the battery I think if they figured that out like a good compromise it uh, would have sold like hotcakes Uh, I think Nintendo Mm -hmm. would have had to release something themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. So, the Sega 32X was finally revealed during Sega's Gamers Day event in in June 1994, and that was actually the first Sega Gamers Day uh, event. It ran from that to 2008, and then Mm -hmm. they stopped. If they brought it back, that would be sick, but... Uh, this was the first Sega Gamers Day event. and it, okay, um, Sega promised that they would deliver 32-bit gaming by the end of the year, which they did. Uh, Sega Saturn being uh, held back because of technology costs. Not in Japan, but in America. Uh, Sega would continue to talk about the 32X as a stopgap to the Saturn, even stating that it would help be a cheaper option considering how expensive the Sega Saturn was the idea would be that Sega gamers could play 32-bit games until the Saturn became more affordable. What do you think mm. about the sales pitch? Wouldn't it have been more expensive to buy a 32X games and then later having to buy all brand-new games for the Sega Saturn? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, Not a very smart sales pitch. And again, like... It, it it was an extension to the the Mega Drive Genesis, just as the Sega CD was. Differences: difference is Sega CD came out much earlier in the lifespan, so you could forgive it. I think a lot of people group these two together, and they're like, oh yeah, 32X is shit, and so is the Sega CD. And it's like, no, Sega CD had a very long, quite successful history and a great library of games, and it just... It, it was very well implemented both in the Model 1 and Model 2, the way it connected, but 32X just came so late in the lifespan, had such a small library, and it was just such a stupid ask of people to be like, all right, the Saturn's coming, but in the meantime, do you want to drop 150 bucks and a whole library of games? and it's idiotic. Again, it was a really, really poorly thought out uh, decision. Yeah.
0: I, I uh, agree. I think telling the, your, your gamer... Like, right away if you told me, hey, you know that cool console that's coming out? The, the true yeah. successor? This yeah. right here, this will hold you off until you could afford it. I'd be like, what? Can you imagine if like the PlayStation 2 had a add-on that was a worse PS3, and then they're like, maybe one day you'll afford a PS3, but right now, and I'm like, I'll just buy a Xbox 360. Why would I... Uh, wait? You know? Like PlayStation was coming out cheaper and the Nintendo 64 was cheaper. Why would I buy this when I could just save up and buy a Nintendo 64 for 200 bucks?
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, like George, there's uh, uh, Nintendo just announced the Switch 4K. It's coming out um, in 2025. Um, But in the meantime, there's this really cool add on for the existing Switch. no. It has its own cartridge slot. It, there's about a library of maybe 30 games, and it costs 150 bucks. You in? <laughs> you no, know? that's
0: what I'm saying. It just—it's just not a good sales pitch, and it really no. th- showed you that they're literally telling you it's only a stopgap, meaning there won't be development for it any like longer than a few mm-hmm. years. Kind of sounds like right when you say stopgap.
1: It kind of—you know what it feels like. It the 32x is kind of like what the um, DC you DCEU is <laughs> right, now. right now because they're telling people to go to theaters to see these like four or five tentpole movies that are going to lead to nothing right. and it pisses me off to no end to see these articles going Shazam 2 is the lowest performing DCU movie what, what, a, a, shit. what a fucking blunder what a piece of shit I and saw I'm that like, yesterday I actually liked it I enjoyed I it, it. Yeah. But it's like but you put out a movie where the head of your studio told everyone the next 5 movies don't matter until my Superman movie comes out and then on top of that you you undermarket it and then 3 weeks into the uh, release of the movie you release it to digital so it's like don't give me that news story where you're like oh it's the worst performing movie you made it the worst performing movie well,
0: it was kind and of it's, bad. They kind of blessed it in the end, though, because they had uh, James Gunn's wife make a cameo, and she's oh canon, obviously, so...
1: I mean, yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast, but James Gunn is kind of acting like Sega at that time, where they're like, oh, we got a really exciting uh, new thing on the horizon, but in the meantime, go watch five movies. You know, we have a new Superman movie, but uh, The Flash is coming out, and Batman from 1989's back, like... <laughs>
0: I, I heard that uh, the Flash is supposed to tie into the new universe, so maybe that will... I think that might do good just because it has the old Batman. I don't think anyone cares about anything else. No,
1: I think I think they're going to retroactively make that the reboot movie for sure. But still, it's just it, it kind of feels like... Yeah, like Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is the 32X of movies. Oh, know? yeah. Oh,
0: <laughs> like, for sure. If that bombs, <laughs> I'm going to be like... I mean, I would be mad. Of course it's going to bomb. They're going to say it made less than Shazam 2. We... Yeah, it's going to make less than the first one, because I think the first one did a billion. I don't think that's going to do a billion at all. No. no. So, the Sega 32X finally came out in mid-November in North America and was priced at $159.99, $10 more than than was promised, and it also did not come with a game like it was initially expected. Only a few Mm. hundred thousand units were produced in North America for its launch, but orders actually were in the millions, according to uh, online sources. During its initial release, the 32X actually was well-received by the gaming press. 350,000 units were originally shipped within the first three weeks of release, with 200,000 being sold during the Thanksgiving uh, weekend alone. By the end of wow. 1994, Sega had sold 600,000 units. Uh by two months, Sega claimed to have sold more 32X units than the 3DO uh, sold <laughs> in consoles, although these claims have been disputed. Um, are you surprised uh, that the first two months during the holidays, it it's sold almost a million units and was so re- well received by uh, critics at the, at the beginning of its uh, lifespan? Um, are you surprised? Because a no. lot of people shit on it. Like, online, like... I'm-
1: I'm not surprised. It kind of, again to compare it to Connect. The Connect had a really solid launch. A lot of people were praising it. They were um, seeing the difference in the library. They were like, "Well, yeah, it's a little more dancey, fitnessy, kiddie, but it's giving those audiences games that they enjoy." And I remember, you know, it, it. A lot of those games got fairly good reviews. There were some indie titles coming out, like. Um, Gunstringer was actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that one. And I think it sold really well, but it did not sustain just like the 32X. It didn't right. keep it up. It just kind of—it was like a flash in the pan. Right. Um, and I don't think that was what Sega was hoping for. I think they wanted to have something that would sustain for maybe a year, not two months. <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> you know? right, right. And so by... Um, let me see. By January 1995, after the holidays... It was reported that ten. Mm-hmm. It was reported that ten percent of the units had been returned to stores because of how difficult it was for consumers to set up the machine. This led mm-hmm. to Sega offering an easier to read manual, adding RF units in future packagings, and offering a phone line for help. Uh, what's your opinion on the thirty two X setup? I think we talked about it, it was very complicated. Uh, I think it
1: is very complicated. Do you? Um, are you able to sh- uh, share like a web screen?
0: Yeah, give me send me a link and I can do it.
1: All right, I'm gonna send you the link in in our chat here.
0: In Discord, uh,
1: you can um, on on Skype.
0: Got gotcha. you. I got it.
1: So if you check this out, so this is the website I used when I bought my 32x off eBay. Now, if you scroll down to roughly the middle of a page, a little bit after the it. middle,
0: I'm trying to get it. I'm it's trying gonna see, sh- trying to see the window. Okay. Let me uh, open it up. Yeah. Oh my God, my internet is going crazy. Give me a sec. No, no problem. Uh, all right. Let's see if it works. So all if right. you
1: scroll down to roughly halfway to the bottom, it's going to show all you this the stuff back. You
0: need. Yeah,
1: all right. look at all. This is all the stuff you need. So, and this is the easier connection. This is the <laughs> model two. <laughs> um, so a model two Sega Genesis and a Model 2 Sega CD is a far easier connection than a Model 1 Sega Genesis and a Model 2 Sega CD, which is what I have. Um, But you see it pops in the top there, and you need a uh, 32X AV out, uh, 32X AV in, 32X AC adapter, Genesis AV out, Genesis AC adapter, Sega CD RCA stereo out, Sega CD AC adapter, 3 AC adapter, 3 power bricks, all of these things... And I'm, I'm moving. Uh, <laughs> actually, I think I'm moving all my consoles this week. Mm-hmm. I am not disconnecting any of these cables. I'm going to unplug them. I'm going to kind of loop them around, yeah. set them on top, and I'm just going to put this in a box and drive it over to the house because there, there is absolutely no way I'm doing this again. Can you imagine? It is the biggest headache.
0: Your mom having now, to connect this for you?
1: I, you know what? I actually, for a good solid five years thought I had a defective um Sega CD model turned out I had the wrong uh plugs I I swapped the the plugs the power plugs and the Sega CD was not getting enough power and the 32x was getting I think too much power or something and so they weren't working properly and one day I just looked at this website again and I'm like oh there's different power bricks there's the MK1602 AC unit the MK2103 AC unit and then you have another MK2103 and it's just like are you kidding me there's multiple AC adapters I can't even use the same oh, what a mess what a right. stupid mess
0: you know how we said that it should be interchangeable to, like you know with the old Genesis the, the power brick wasn't even interchangeable that tells you mm-hmm. everything you need to know
1: yeah so um
0: stupid I did, so this is a perfect time to bring this up. It's just on the bottom of the notes, but uh, I, I looked at how much power this machine draws. Okay, so the Sega Genesis draws between 10 to 15 watts of power, depending on the model. Uh, the mm-hmm. Sega CD draws an additional 12 watts, and the th- Sega 32X draws 10 watts. So together, they okay. would consume about 32 to 37 watts. It's not too wow. bad. Um, While well, the Sega Saturn Japanese in the model one draws twenty watts, so technically the Sega Saturn draws way less, and the Japanese Dreamcast draws sixty watts, but the North American console draws forty watts, which is weird. Until wow, twenty watts less on the yeah <laughs> in the international. So that gives <laughs> you so the thirty two X Sega CD and all that put together, almost forty watts, which is uh, double of the Saturn. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> That is. Right. So, where did I leave my notes? By mid-1995, Sega executives realized their blunder, but it was too late. Developers and licensees had abandoned the console in favor of what they perceived to be the true 32-bit console, the Sega Saturn. And even though the 32X add-on was a 32-bit system, the games weren't taking full advantages of the system's capabilities, and were not compatible with the Sega Saturn hardware. Many games mm-hmm. were 2D, Rush, and slightly upgraded Mega Drive titles, and many chose to skip the 32X completely, citing the expensive price. In early mm-hmm. 1996, Sega of America instructed all 32X developers to abandon their projects and convert them to Sega Saturn games. Store shelves became littered with unwanted 32X systems, and prices for the new systems dropped as low as 1995 in the US. Wow. I actually would have been sick to buy like the whole stock because they just went up in yeah. price. Like Having them complete in box Brian, new, never touched.
1: You right, could probably right, right.
0: sell them each for like 500 bucks. Um, That's Even true. though it had about 40 games, would the 32X <laughs> be worth it for 20 bucks for a Kid Barry?
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have had it. Um, I had a Genesis Model 1 at the time. Uh, but i didn't have a sega c d so I would have yeah I would have connected that and been happy um you know, yeah, that would have been sweet right but didn't happen
0: okay, so right here let's talk a little bit about the games for the system i I think yeah there's a list, but i don't think we really need to see the list because let 's be honest um there's only a few games that are really worth i think buying a 32X4 and I think that's like mm-hmm. Knuckles Chaotix is one of them I think it's probably the yeah. top tip top because it's never been released anywhere else uh, right. it's a very unique game and I don't think you, we've had the Chaotix have a, such a I don't know like literally being in the title this is the creation right of the Chaotix right
1: it is yeah They, um, there were a few different like manuals for different regions that told different stories um, the comic book I mentioned from Archie told one of them but it was it was fun at the time like sonic had his stable of friends and so i really loved the idea that knuckles had his own group of friends and they all had really cool abilities like wall running wall like latching onto um and sonic can do some of those now in in some games uh which is kind of cool but um I mean, I know we're not going to go through all of them. I actually have my games stacked up here. Do you want me to hold up the ones I own and just give you a very quick impression of if they're worth owning or not? I yeah, guess?
0: yeah, that would be awesome. All right, let me let me put it. So to you on these screen. are the
1: ones that I I don't have my loose cartridges. I think I have about eight of them in the other room, um, but I'll I'll kind of uh, call them out if I remember them. Uh, first up, Metalhead. I think is actually really a really fun game. It's a three D mech game that actually was made by Sega Japan. Um, I think it's from the director of um, uh, uh, Shadow. No, what's the one? The sequel to Shinobi PS2. Shinobi, um, oh uh, Nightshade,
0: uh, Nightshade, I think, or Night Dance. Yeah, yeah, like I that. think.
1: Yeah, I think the the director of that made this. So this is this is actually a really good one. Uh, Colibri again um, from a notable person. It's from
0: uh, the guy that the did director of Dolphin. Yeah, or the Echo Dolphin. <laughs> right?
1: We just call him Ed. Yeah, Ed um, uh, from Echo the Dolphin. Uh, Shadow Squadron is actually a really fun little 3D uh, game. Again, I believe this is actually Japanese developed. Um, and then you know, like NFL Quarterback Club, not worth getting. It's no. one of those games that you yeah. can get on other consoles. Uh, same with. Mortal Kombat 2 it's slightly better but again you can get that on other consoles so it's kind of like there's a mix there's a mix of games that are unique and interesting and I'd say worth checking out like Calibri and Shadow Squadron and Metalhead and then there's the games that like I guess it's cool that they're a little upgraded but what's the point you know Right. Um, and then I've got the games here that I think are just like must owns so for example Afterburner must own Space Harrier must own, though the uh, Genesis Mini Two outdoes it. Like it's more arcade accurate, running on hardware. Um, Knuckles Chaotix must own. If you can afford it. (laughs) If you can afford it, but then you got weird ones like Doom. Like this is it's cool to play Doom, but there's some downgrades, and there's actually a better version out there now that actually has like the music implemented properly. Um, I have four more here. And then there's Virtual Racing. Must own. I think that's a fantastic port. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zaxxon's Mother Base 2000. Actually not a Zaxxon game. It's a different game. They just gave the Zaxxon name to But this is fun. Again, it's it's more in the category of, like, Calibri and Shadow Squad, Squadron. Um, uh, then And then there's the shit. Tough Man Contest. What is this? <laughs> why is there Why a, Why is this? Is that this? Butterbean? He's <laughs> so, stepping on a guy's neck. Um... <laughs> And then again, and then there's ones that are kind of like uh, Tempo, for example. I actually got this new, um, but opened it. And this is kind of like Chaotix, where it's a very unique platformer. It's not the best, but it's it's worth checking out. And then some of the loose ones I have are like Virtua Fighter. Um, it's just kind of like the definitive home... Console version of Virtua Fighter before they ended up releasing it on like the Astro City Mini. Mm. Um, and then there's oddities like the WWF games. Yeah. Um, I'd say the best one I don't own is that Spider Man game.
0: Right. The um, Web of Fire.
1: And then there's also a game called Blackthorn, I think it is.
0: Yeah, it has a. Uh, uh, I, I think I've seen that one. Is that the one, or is that Dark Side? No, it's a. Uh, I think it's Blackthorn. It's the one that has yeah. the Danzig on the cover, I think. The, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then. <laughs>
1: And then finally, there's, like, if, if you like these things, which I do, there's the Sega CD32X games, um, which are unique because they are actually basically Sega CD games that utilize the 32X to have increased video capabilities. So, like, these aren't great games, like Corpse Killer, um, Supreme Warrior, uh, Night Trap, and I have Fahrenheit, but... If you want to play them, this is the best way to play them. So it's kind of like a weird sort of category where it's like not great games, but the best way to play not great games. And they had a very unique logo. Like, look at that. It's the Sega CD32X logo. But then at one point, they weren't really sure if they should do that. And so they gave it like a blue Sega CD logo. Oh. <laughs> you know? Weird. So it's kind of funny how they at one time did a cross a co-branded release. So, like, you can see that. It's only 40 games, and I don't think there are enough must-own titles to make it a must-own console um, then or now. But it was, like, almost like, uh, what what is it in Rogue One, where the guy's like, we're on the verge! We're this close to greatness! You know? Um, The 32X was very close, I think, to greatness. I think if they just kind of Dropped the Mortal Kombat, the NFL quarterback clubs, the Tough Man contest, and really focused on stuff like Calibri, Chaotic, Space Harrier. You know, like a mix of uh, unique platformers with really beautiful graphics and arcade perfect ports. And Sonic Five or Sonic Four. You know, or actually, let's say Sonic Five. Let's say that uh, they <laughs> really um, they already it already Sonic Four already happened.
0: But yeah, it's just.
1: I don't know. It's it's fun to collect for though. I mean, you saw I just showed probably half the library,
0: right? Because um, it's so easy to finish but, it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know, right? Well, then there's like there's one like super expensive game, but you can buy repros actually if you really care. But yeah, let's yeah, talk that's, about that's my little run through
0: what could have been, right? Mm. So.
1: Mm-hmm
0: a lot of canceled games for this that moved to the Sega Saturn or never came to a Sega console so let's talk about some that could have changed the course so like maybe Alone in the Dark having a horror game would have been cool um, mm-hmm. Boogerman I don't know why you would want a port of the Genesis game but okay the Castlevania would have been big I think the Bloodletting ah um, uh, yes uh, Daytona USA uh, Die, Hard cool. Tri- Die Hard Trilogy was a PS1 game I remember playing it on there I think it might have had mm-hmm. a Saturn port Echo the Dolphin 32X, but that one was on Sega CD too, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, not really necessary. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Garfield. <laughs> no, I'm joking about that <laughs> one. Uh, Outrun would have been big, um, I think. Panzer Dragoon. Um, Rayman 32X, maybe having a more. That would
1: have been cool. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: Sonic Mars. Um, Spot Ghost of Hollywood would- has some history with us because of uh, what's the name by the repo, remember? <laughs>
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, Spot goes to Hollywood was an unreleased game that for a time, one of our writers owned, and people were begging him to dump it. And he's like, "I don't know how. Help me." <laughs> yeah. Um, but someone eventually dumped it. But you passed over um, Pinocchio, which oh, yeah. I actually played not too long ago. That's actually a really beautifully made game, but it's not that fun, right. But it's like a graphically, yeah, yeah, but the 32X upgrades for it are kind of cool. It, it looks pretty neat, but, yeah, it's like nothing here is really jumping out, you know? Um,
0: virtual I, virtual hamster would have been, the like, the weirdest, coolest uh, idea that yeah. they ever did, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> right, right, right.
0: But, yeah, I agree. Like, maybe OutRun, but we already had that. Um,
1: Waterworld, that would have been, like, the ultimate fail, you know? Like, right, right. Waterworld yeah. for the 32X.
0: right. Ugh. So not too many. I mean, Sonic Mars, whatever that was. Uh, literally, if you click on the picture, it's just a picture drawing on it, like on a piece of paper of Sonic. That's it. That's all the, the right. show. Yeah.
1: Wing War would have been cool because that falls in the category of arcade games. Mm-hmm. But like that, that really should have been the focus. Model One arcade games because when you go to the Sega Retro um, Model One list of games. There's some there. There's Virtua Formula, uh, Wing War. Well, Star Wars Arcade, I forgot to mention that. That's a must-own. That one's really fun.
0: It was a launch uh, title, too.
1: It was, yeah, yeah. So, again, like, they had they had a sizable library of arcade ports, but they didn't market it that way, and they really should have. They kind of did, actually. If you look at um, they had a little logo. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, Arcade Classics up in the corner there you see that little circle
0: oh yeah that it was but all it's right. not
1: that yeah it's not that well represented like i don't
0: know the, this one says that dynamite heady was supposed to get one we talked about that one in um, Oh, that would have been cool yeah i like that game that's that's an underrated game for sure um good episode we did on it too so go check that mm-hmm. out um now let's talk a little bit about logos. I know you're a, gra- a graphic designer, Barry, by trade. Um, let's look at the oh. four different logos from different regions, and you can tell me which ones you like the best. So we got this, okay. is the, this is the American one, right? The first one, the the 32x with the red X and the yellow on top. That one's yes, cool. What do you think that about right that one? Now. Uh
1: I like that one. I like the the colors.
0: Kind of reminds think me um, of the Game Gear when they had the three little colors, but this is actually incorporated into the logo. You mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about. I actually
1: really like. I, I really one of my favorite things of Sega at the time. This time was the um, uh, like the the striped color coordination, so that they really looked cool on a shelf um, between the the Sega CD, 32X, Genesis, and Saturn. Mm-hmm. So I I think the the U.S. box art. Is probably the peak, peak thirty two X, right there with that logo.
0: And then there's this Japanese one. I, you can't see there's a black stripe uh, because the stup- OBS has a black background, so the black stripe under mm. the thirty two. But the Japanese one with the blue, I think that was it's clean. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's clean. Um, it doesn't ex- it doesn't look extreme enough for uh, America, in my opinion, because it literally has an X. So
1: and it's for, the super thirty two X,
0: right? And uh, the the European one.
1: I know the European fans are going to hate me but I was never a fan of the Gen- or the the Mega Drive and 32X look. It just Why didn't they just use the Japanese logos? I don't know.
0: Right. Uh I don't get it. And this is the, and then the last one is the Brazil one which I think is better than the European one, <laughs> but it's too much McDonald's.
1: <laughs> Someone else they did something else. Was there the the um there was that online uh, add-on for the Genesis called, like, the X-something. Remember that?
0: Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember.
1: X-Band? Was X- that it?
0: X-Band is the online thing, isn't it? Where it was also yeah. on the Super Nintendo?
1: I've, I don't know. It just kind of gives me that. If you look at the X-Band logo, it kind of reminds me of the X-Band logo, where it just looks like a little, like, offbeat, handwritten... Swooshy, I don't know. It looks a little wacky, but I guess it's all right.
0: Mm, I'm I'm trying to look for it, but it keeps keep, Google keeps on giving me like uh, the band X band. I didn't know there was a <laughs> band, but a cool, yeah, um, yeah. So which one of you? I mean, I like obviously the U.S. one because that's the one I grew up with. I think it reminds me a lot of like I don't know. I just like the colors they used, and then the Japanese one's the second one, and the other two, whatever. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I would say Japan I probably neck and neck with the Japanese and the American one. I think the Japanese box art actually looks really nice. Now they look at look at it, but um, Super Thirty Two X. What a strange! It feels like a Nintendo. They really down. What I don't like is they don't show Mega Drive anywhere, which is weird because you need a Mega Drive to play it. Right. Um, Europe does it correctly called Mega Drive Thirty Two X genesis 32x but then it's the super 32x which feels like a, a nintendo console it's kind of weird
0: should have been called the mega 32x right i mean that was yeah. your uh, that was your
1: uh, because, your branding uh, was, yeah and that's what they called the mega cd and i always i wasn't until recently that i was like oh it's not called the sega cd it's the mega cd
0: I think uh, Nintendo calling it Super was probably a really good marketing move because it literally made it be like, oh, it's like the N- the other Nintendo but Super version of it. So every game mm-hmm. had to have mm-hmm. Super in the front because it almost it literally means right, right, right. kind of superior, really. If you think about it, <laughs> I mean it was it was pretty brilliant in their part. Uh, Mega was kind of close. They should have just kept on using it. But so let's talk about the advertisement. Uh, obviously, this it's a console add-on, so it was going to have a lot of advertisement um Mm -hmm. we're gonna be looking at the north american because it was made in north america so and it had a lot of ads so i don't want to be talking about every brazil ad you know um so the first one we have here is the change the way you play ad um it's kind of making it like it's a secret unlockable or whatever um i don't know would this make you buy it i think it's a little plain i don't really like this one
1: yeah, it's a little weird. X change the way you play. X is next, and you won't believe what it does to your Sega Genesis. Genesis. Imagine like seeing this, and you don't know what it is. So Genesis Thirty Two X is about to bring the pulse racing, eye popping, heart pounding, brain buzzing thirty two bit gaming experience home. Oh, to Sega Genesis owners! So I have a Genesis, so I just buy this. Quick, get the whole scoop by making one free phone call. To di- Wait a minute, George! It's a phone number. You we call, call it? it.
0: You should call it thirty-two yeah, I X to. Sega. Right.
1: Can't believe they Let's had. Try it. So they had their own phone line just for the eight hundred three two nine S E G A.
0: It's gonna be a phone. It's gonna be a porn. It's gonna be a porn line. Oh shit. Welcome to America's Hottest Talk Line. Told you. Guys, hot <laughs> <told> ladies <laughs> are waiting to talk to you. Press
1: 1
0: now. Don't ladies, press one. to
1: talk to interesting and exciting guys free,
0: press 2. Whoa. Nah. So, there's no, there's some X, but nope. not 32X. <laughs> <It> on <could laughs> my headphones,
1: too, but I'm, I'm sure you heard the porn.
0: Yeah. Hot guy right now. Not right now. when we hang up. Okay. Well, that, I'm
1: talking to a hot guy right now. What am I talking about?
0: That's what I'm saying. I almost felt kind of like, oh, my God, <sighs> I guess I'm not a hot guy. I
1: mean, you own a 32X. Well, you don't, so I guess you're not,
0: No, okay, you're right. I don't have the X factor. Um, No. (laughs) This is the most popular Sega ad for the 32X. Uh, The Mommy, what are these two Sega machines doing? Have you seen this one?
1: This is the one I was kind of citing, because they do mention, so it says they're making an arcade system, dear, which plays into what I was saying they should have pushed this as to begin with, but then look at the games they call out. Right, uh, Golf Magazine, <laughs> Doom, uh, Motocross Championship, and Cosmic Carnage. None of those are arcade games. The only ones are Virtual Racing and Star Wars Arcade. And they really put the focus on this stupid kid's face instead of the games. And then this weird X is next. They were really trying to make that a thing.
0: Yeah, and what did X even stand for? I mean, I think they were just trying to like uh, gimmick their way about x-men being popular at the time uh, extreme x-force and all this right uh that's what it was in the early 90s really like image comics and all that
1: and the way they market it too they show it just popping on the top that's not how it worked that's false advertising and then they say all these little you know like graphical things the arcade experience at home for about 160 bucks whoa that's a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) is that what it says yeah, the arcade experience at home for about $160. Like, did you just <laughs> casually drop $160? And That's a
0: lot. Right, especially back then. How much is that today, in 94 to today? A lot. A lot. <laughs> right, yeah. I was going to say. Um, the next ad we got... Oh... Yes, more and more, faster faster, playing on the idea of, you know, sex, right? Um,
1: right, it's fucking...
0: Right, because it makes it faster. Oh, oh, it makes it faster. the
1: 32X is fucking the Genesis.
0: And that was basically the whole marketing behind it, which is kind of weird, because I don't know why that would sell a console. But uh, what do you think about the games they showed on this? Because I wouldn't buy it. Like, one looks like a Sega Genesis game.
1: Um, yeah, tempo.
0: Yeah, so I'm like, I would be like, why? you just buy these on my Sega Genesis? Uh,
1: well, again, if the focus should be the games and their graphics, why are the screenshots so small? And why are you focusing on uh, this weird like adult content? And I, it reminded me, someone told me, um, oh, I really love your Sega talk. I teach grade school, but I don't tell my kids to listen to it because you're, you swear.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: and I just did... Uh, the 32x is fucking the Genesis, but that's what it's doing. I mean, and that in the was the ad. marketing.
0: It's like, I'm yeah, like, you would. Th- that was literally the focus of it. Um, the next one is one plus two equals 32x, and I don't think this would have uh, sold anything. Like it's just showing Push. you.
1: Yeah, and it, again, it's wrong. It doesn't. It's not plug and play.
0: No, but they sold it's it. It's not, like and that. you
1: know what is is the um, power base converter, but not not this.
0: Nope. they should have right. advertised the power. I guess nobody really cares about master system, right? So I guess it wouldn't even matter if they advertised Well, no, and it.
1: we. I think I talked offline, or I, I was talking in our Discord about how confusing that was. How the master system isn't even the master system; it's the power base. Right and how the they didn't even call it the Master System player; they called it the Power Base Converter. Like again, just stupid, stupid ways that Sega referred to their hardware when they really should have just called it the Master System and then the Master System Adapter. Right, done. Right, stupid.
0: I wonder if there's like some name thing they couldn't do, but they were making Master Systems uh, in the end anyway. So
1: yeah, yeah, and the consoles, the the cartridges don't even say for their for Master System. They say, uh, like, Mega Cartridge.
0: Yeah. Oh. (laughs) It's stupid. (laughs) So we got two ads. Uh, One of them uh, has uh, a wrapper, Chill EB, which Sega at the time was using to uh, advertise the Sega CD and, I guess, the 32X. He made Hell one yeah. he made one album in the 90s and I think he's more known for being the spokesman of Sega for this little time period and that Sega game he made No you, do your own raps um, so here's his uh, st- just stick it ad Let's Do it. it
1: has appeared in homes across America
0: 32.
1: Redouble his power. Mm.
0: Just stick it in your Genesis. All right. Bye, bye. That but that's v- not v- how it works. Let's go. Wow! Increase the power of the unit. Increase the power of the unit
1: forty
0: Hey, man, your set was stolen.
1: Dagger!
0: Dagger! So, um, what do you think uh, about the games they showed? Uh, the again, they're playing up on the. Uh, you just stick it in, but it's not really how it works. Um, and they're trying to like I, do this whole crazy vibe that they used to do with Sega stuff too.
1: I mean, I thought it was fine, but I really don't like this just like that's such false advertising. They make it look like a plug and play and it's not. It it needs its own AC adapter. It needs a whole we just went through how insane it is to connect with a Sega CD. It's almost like they don't want you to own a Sega CD cuz it's too too complex to hook up.
0: Yeah. So weird. It it is it is weird and it Ten percent return rate is, I think, huge for a console. Like, can do you think PlayStation Five had ten percent of the consoles returned? They were selling out. They're still sold out, I think. So definitely, right. I don't think they're getting that. But they also tried to do a Sega 32X and Sega CD commercial in one go, which I think mm. was smart. But you know, they're so separated that it's weird that they even. I don't know. It's weird. Like they're not separated because they had games, but at the right. same time. It didn't play Sega CD games when you... You know, you had to buy two different things. It was weird, but yeah. Right. I'll play it now.
1: For those who purchased something other than a <laughs> Sega Genesis...
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: Our sincere condolences. What a waste. When you start with a Genesis, you can always add a Sega CD. And new Genesis
0: 32X. Everything else is cold and stiff. Barrier or... Cremation. Burn it. Welcome to the next level.
1: I actually really like that one
0: yeah, because me too. they
1: make it. It's very clearly laid out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the problem is is that the the 32x was too expensive and it had a small library, right? And like, sure, yeah, the the model what the model two Sega CD was probably a very good price at that time and it had a great backlog of games that you could dive into. But again, they're doing that just stick it in. They didn't say that, but they definitely show it just like popping it on on the top. No, it's not plug and play, guys. No. Um yeah, I mean I I do believe that a Model 1 Genesis with a Model 2 Sega CD and a 32X on top is like the ultimate configuration. It has stereo sound. It it is a behemoth but it it's very cool to own, and that's what I own. I love it. I wouldn't change it, but ask me as a kid if I would have like gone down that progression of being like, "Oh, I got my sega c d now now time to get my thirty two x like that would never happen. It's too expensive
0: yep, way too expensive, and Mm-mm. it's funny that they made this whole like these consoles just they just die when that is how the generation's work like it actually hurts Sega's image in the long haul having these add-ons if you think about it because people Mm -hmm. that invested in it felt like they got stung right like they didn't develop for them long enough and then now they wanted them to pay $400 for Saturn like not very good uh, reputation going forward in my opinion no no so but it's a cool commercial It, it reminds me of the old Sega stuff like the Genesis stuff where they like, mm-hmm. make fun of the comp- competition in a like unique way. Yeah. So let's end it with the legacy of the 32X. The legacy of the 32X is a complicated one. By the way, this was uh, done by ChatGDP in the end. Just because I wanted to see what it would say. And I was like, oh, it's pretty good. I'll just use it. While the add-on itself was not a commercial success... It did have some impact in the gaming industry and on Sega's own history. One of the most significant mm. legacies of the 32X was the role of development of the Sega Saturn console. I don't know how. The 32X was originally <laughs> intended to serve as a stopgap between the Genesis and Mega Drive and the Saturn, but the failure prompted Sega to a- accelerate development of the Saturn and release it earlier than it originally planned. Another legacy of the 32X was the influence on game design and graphics. The add-on's okay. 32-bit graphic capabilities helped push the boundaries of what was possible on the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive. And some <laughs> games released on the 32X still are still considered impressive from a technical standpoint. Additionally, the 32X has become somewhat of a cold object of fascination for retro gaming enthusiasts who appreciate its unique design and place in gaming history. The 32X has also been a subject of several documentaries and retrospectives, which have helped keep the legacy alive. Overall, mm. the Sega 32X may not have been a commercial success, but its impact on the gaming industry and Sega's own history can st- still be felt today. <laughs> thank you, thank you
1: I, AI. <laughs> I guess, I mean, you could argue that, like, Adolf Hitler was a terrible person but he did make his mark on history yeah <laughs> like,
0: and it still felt today <laughs> yeah
1: i don't know it seems like all those things are like well it caused them to rush the saturn it caused it to have some good looking games like okay that's that's nice um and it's a cult object
0: <laughs> right not very good because you could say that about yeah. you. like you could be like The TurboGrafx-16 opened up the doors for new competitors to go in. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, how nice. Oh, man. Well, I I guess to wrap things up, should we see what our... Patreon?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do we have some memories or
1: you... We have have so many memories that I'm going to cut my memories short. (gasps) And I I will let these be my memory. Their memories are my memories. Oh, that's nice. We have Daniel Andres who opens with I think this is signature catchphrase. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope he's like got this like southern draw Oh my goodness, the Saga 32X you know, I, I, is
0: that would, that would make it better.
1: He's like fanning himself on Ooh. the porch. Oh my goodness. Whew, that thirty two X. Well, it exists for one. It isn't the worst console ever made, but if I had to pick a quote, uh unquote worst Sega console. Unfortunately, it would be this one. Not to say it doesn't have its merits or positive qualities. It's definitely a powerful piece of tech for the Genesis, and it does have a unique library of games, much like every other Sega console. I remember when I first got this guy, I didn't feel much of any positive feelings. It felt weird and uh, off to own it, but I still do have the same model to this day. It was several years ago. To me, it is a work. It is worthy to be called a Sega console, and over time I've grown to love it. However, this may not 100% be true, but I feel as though this console's reputation in existence is a big part why Sega doesn't make home consoles anymore. I do really like the games on it, but I wish all of them were on the Saturn instead. I'm sorry, 32X. It's not impossible to appreciate slash love you, but it is hard to sometimes. (laughs) Uh, We have Brian... saying hey guys I was someone who got their 32x in Doom at Christmas I was obsessed with the shareware version of Doom on PC so being able to play it on my TV through my Genesis instead of trying to figure out how to get it running on my dad's computer via DOS was too enticing to pass up I still loved it despite the fact that it was clearly um, it was clearly leading uh, oh uh, terrible music and 6 to 7 cut levels as well as missing two bosses. I was amazed by how much better Mortal Kombat 2 looked and how many more sound effects it had. The arcade conversions, particularly Virtua Racing and Virtua Fighter, were great. See? Um, more Chaotix? Arcade. Yeah, exactly. Chaotix looked and sounded great, although the level design and gameplay were not. Too many of the games were rushed and not discernibly better than their Genesis counterparts. Or felt more like tech demos, including Metalhead and Cosmic Carnage than oh, yeah. full-fledged games. Uh, the potential was never completely tapped. The amazing Doom Resurrection 32X project shows what the 32X could produce a better Doom port than the Atari Jaguar. Yeah, I played that recently, and that's really cool. Um, still, the ports of Virtual Racing and Mortal Kombat 2 I enjoy playing, including over the Saturn versions. And the amazing Doom Resurrection 32X project gives me hope. That there will be more amazing ROM hacks and homebrew 32X projects in the future. Uh, The last two people we have here, we have Ben Hayward saying, I have never played the 32X and none of my friends ever (laughs) had one back in the day, but I always thought it was pretty funny that a gaming company that marketed itself on being super cool made an add-on that looked like a mushroom. Yeah, it did look like a mushroom. Uh, Michael S., Ends things for us here saying, I remember seeing a lot of these brand new piled up in a bargain bin. I never played or knew anyone that had one. I figured it was bad since there were so many on sale. And he makes a great point. That's what I was saying. Like, as kids, we saw this stuff on clearance. We weren't like, oh, this stuff's going to be 500 bucks on eBay in in 20 years. We were just like, oh, that's garbage. I don't want garbage. (laughs) Right.
0: Right. And, uh, yep. I mean, there wasn't a retro market, because even back then, like, nobody no. was buying Ataris. I think Ataris are pretty mm. cheap still, right? Like, they never really uh, increased in value as much as, uh, I don't know, like the Sega Saturn games did.
1: Yeah, no, Atari's kind of stagnant, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's weird, huh, how that uh, works. Yeah. It is. And, um, what are we going to be talking about next time?
1: Well, next time, if you, you can't tell, but I am in the process of moving, so I'm playing my, uh... Uh, life event card, and I'm gonna do an episode that it's still gonna be interesting, mm-hmm. but it's gonna be a little easier than than you know, like a mega epic RPG. We're gonna be talking about Angry Birds, and I'm not joking because Sega bought Rovio, and I think it'd be really cool to talk about some uh, modern happenings in Sega news. while at the same time, talking about a game that is essentially a Sega-owned game. <laughs> now right, angry birds
0: right it's it's a it's a uh, sega ip now um hmm. interesting I guess so i guess yeah we'll catch you guys on the next sega Quack. talk bye Quack. Quack. <laughs>